Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a... A feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. It's Hit like record right now. a we little dark just... where... Okay, let's go to the porch. Let's go to the porch. All right, so don't walk too far because you're connected to me. I won't, so I can smell some fresh air Okay. while we do this. We're going to the porch. <laughs> fancy, fancy. Yeah, over here. Okay. Man, sunset oh, in Maine. This is better. Look Much at better. this view. Perfect. Perfect. Can you hear me okay? I can. All right. Typically, this uh, podcast is right now sponsored by Boykies. I'll have to give you some Boykies in the morning. You know what? what? Uh, so, Boykies is South African jerky. It's called biltong. Have okay. you ever had biltong before? No. You're a foodie. Yeah, but I don't. I have it's air dried beef. Okay. And it's got no preservatives. Dried for 46 days. It's pretty much rosemary, spices, Ooh, malt I vinegar. I do like rosemary. And it is okay. phenomenal. I'll sure, give you we'll some in the morning. Yeah, we'll talk more about it. Yeah. So we are sitting in northern Maine. Sunset. You just cooked us a phenomenal meal. They get a beautiful sunset here. It's my favorite part. Lobsters, steak. Uh-huh. Strip steak, marinated lobsters. So good. Roasted potatoes, yeast rolls. Yep. Yeah. And uh, you are? Candace. Candace who? Sable. Are you from originally from Maine? Lincoln, Maine. Born and raised? Born and raised. Uh, left right after I graduated high school and went um, to college at Penn State. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad's from just outside of Pittsburgh, so mm-hmm. lots of Pennsylvania blood running through my veins. So I uh, did four years in state college at Penn State, um, came back to Maine briefly, and then spent lots of years traveling. 
in America or around the world? No, or? in Amer- mostly in America. Um, I have one older brother who lives in Alaska and mm-hmm. has lived there for 25 plus years. So I lived up there for a couple of years, driven up there um, a couple of times to You've visit. driven up there? Twice by myself. How long is that drive? Um, so shortest is 4,800 miles. So he lives in Wasilla, Alaska. So from Wasilla to Jackman. So I went through nine Canadian provinces. So, I, so like the shortest I went through. Definitely not oh. doing this in the winter. No, no, it wasn't winter. Um, May, I think end of May was the okay. earliest. So 4,800 miles. One way. Um, I did it in six days by myself in a Volkswagen Golf wow. the first time. Yeah. Uh, and the second time alone was in a Toyota Tacoma. And I had a cap on it, so I slept in the back. And Awesome. Yeah. And today, you as a day job? Um, I work at a domestic violence resource center. Um, a high-risk response advocate. Uh, so I oversee our highest-risk cases, work with law enforcement a lot, the district attorney's office, and I, I'm actually um, federally funded from a Department of Justice grant and oversee our human trafficking and sexual exploitation work. Okay. Um, and because we're right on sort of the southern tip of I-95, unfortunately, like, we see a, we lot. See a lot of that. Yeah. Wow. It's one of those things that nobody ever speaks about. No. Nobody thinks about, and it is prolific. It's so happening. And where there's, unfortunately, sort of where there's um, lots of easy access to guns in Maine, sort of right or wrong or however you, you know, think about, believe about it, it's it's true right now. So um, easy access to guns, drugs, like lots of, mm-hmm. w- lots of women, mm-hmm. unfortunately, sort of tied and in, forced into doing things. Jeez. So, yeah, we see a lot of it, unfortunately. Well, that's definitely not why we're talking. Yeah, no. Unfortunately. Um, but I'm th- that's massive that you actually do that. No, thank you so much. And I, uh, I you know, I um, take my vacation time to come and cook at these remote camps. And mm-hmm. literally, it sort of couldn't be more sort of polar worlds right. for me. You know, I work at a feminist organization. Yeah. I have all female colleagues. Yeah. And then I come... To bear camp, and uh, often, most more often than not, I'm the only female yeah. in in the room, yeah. you know, with with guns and you know, very uh, sometimes conser- you know, conservative like men and sure. Um, uh, but we all, it's sort of like finding common ground, mm-hmm. and we're all here because we love the outdoors, and mm-hmm. we love the hunt, and mm-hmm. we love the harvest and mm-hmm. the celebration, and I'm here to cook, and I very much. Um, appreciate every single uh hunter and client mm-hmm. who is here are you a hunter i am a hunter what you've hunted here in maine obviously i have hunted here in maine Moose? yeah um well i've put in for my i've put in the lottery i haven't been drawn yet but yep. i've put in every year and i'm hoping mm-hmm. um i haven't shot a bear yet um i'm kind of in talks with craig about mm-hmm. You know, that. after yeah, like a, a couple, you know, in a of couple course. of weeks when some of the when some of the clients are gone, um, shot lots of whitetail, lots of turkey, lots of ruffed grouse. Nice. Um, yeah, all of which. Uh, um, oh, it was just so amazing to harvest. I often, you know, hunt like with my brother in Alaska or with my dad here. I hunted with my mom, mm-hmm. um, with with some of my very closest friends. Uh, hunting is just. A way of life here in Maine. You were brought up a hunter. 
Um, yes, I was brought up a hunter. My mom was a little bit more of a hunter and a fisherman than my dad was. Okay. Um, That's interesting. But I, I can honestly say that all through high school, um, I was, I was uh, very athletic. You know, three, three sport seasons every year. You know, I would go fishing with my mom every Mother's Day because that's what she wanted to do. Um, but honestly, I would have rather spent my time other places. And then just I kind of went to college. Um, and then I went to Alaska shortly thereafter and spent time with my brother. And mm -hmm. the first um, animal I ever killed was a ruffed grouse actually in Alaska. Okay. And I was in my mid-20s. Yeah. So a little bit later of a of but a you have no hunting obviously start. so you are a hunter you have no problems with hunting absolutely not so no. the reason I found you like a year and a half ago through a mutual friend yeah was that I was told that you don't eat anything but wild game meat absolutely why um, oh and lots of people ask me this question and I feel like lots of people sort of come to their own conclusions for lots of different reasons. For me, um, when I was a sophomore in college, I worked for the BLM out in Utah. I was a river ranger on the Green River and I worked nine days on, got five days off. So on my five days off, um, I went up to Jackson Hole to visit my friend Kristen. My dad came out and I just remember being out there um, and there it's just a, it's a different world. Utah is a different world sure, than sure. Maine. I mean, just uh, in all ways. Um, but there were, there were cattle grazing everywhere um, on, in the Manti LaSalle Mountains when my dad came out and we went camping. We would drive over cattle guards and there were cattle, you know, lots of cattle everywhere. And the one thing that I remember is um, when when cattle overgraze an area, this stuff called cheatgrass grows mm -hmm. and it's really spiky and it gets mm -hmm. stuck in your socks and we were hiking around. And I just remember thinking, you know, once, well, once cheatgrass grows, nothing else can ever grow mm -hmm. there naturally yeah. again. So it really just got me thinking in a different way. I got to sort of experience ca sort of cattle just as one experience in a different way. Um, oh, goodness. You know, I think... Oh, just in doing some research on the ways that chickens are mm -hmm. raised, sure. uh, um, the ways that pigs, you know, just the ways that animals are raised. Um, and to me, and it's personal, and I would never try to sort of push of my thoughts on anyone else. Yeah. Um, and I just sort of made the decision back in 2000 that um, essentially if, and I wasn't even hunting back then. Right. So I was not a hunter back then. So I was ve I was vegetarian for five or six years. Um, and still, uh, my goodness, eat lots of vegetarian sure, meals, of you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, just kind of made that decision steadfast. Um, I had a friend, uh, my college roommate, Kristen, who kind of dabbled in like very same, similar sort of thought processes and... Um, uh, and then, you know, uh, in my mid twenties, I, I started hunting and I ate grouse and my brother, you know, my brother in Alaska has freezers full of caribou and mm -hmm. moose mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, so really primarily what he ate, what we ate up there was wild game, mm -hmm. you know, that he had killed. And I just, uh, I don't know. I just, I really loved that concept. Um, at that point I hadn't eaten 
beef, pork, or chicken, or non-wild turkey. Yeah, because you were vegetarian. Yeah, in five or six, seven years. Um, And so then I started getting ruffed grouse or moose and um, really just was experimenting. You know, different different places in the um, United States, they cook meat really differently. Mm -hmm. You know, they do, oh, they all have really, like, awesome recipes based on sort of the culture and and where they are. So just kind of gathered those and... It has just really stuck for me. So it's been 20 years. So you legitimately have not eaten beef, pork, or chicken in or 20 years? non-mild turkey. Absolutely. Absolutely not. And have no desire to. So tell me, can I, uh, so there must be a, so there must be a bigger why to why you haven't eaten domesticated meat in 20 years. Uh, so I shot um, my first buck. It was six or seven years ago now, um, and I was I was already, you know, deep into kind of this mm-hmm. this. People philosophy. were obviously giving you game meats. And Absolutely, stuff like that, right? I okay. do a lot of canning, so I'll trade some stuff. Okay, I'll trade some of my canning stuff for Kay. some meat. Um, you know, I just I killed that deer and. Uh, it was, it's always been super important. You know, I'm, I'm hunting all by myself. My dad's an hour away. My uncle, my mom's brother is an hour away. You know, I'm all by myself. I shoot my first buck. He's, you know, it's a clean kill. He's laying there. Uh, and I remember I like got down and walked up to him and it was such a, it was a spiritual experience for me, which as it is for so many people. Mm -hmm. And it very much was for Mm -hmm. me. Um, and sort of from that moment, that was the first big game animal that I had ever killed, mm-hmm. um, close to my home, you know, in the woods that I knew and mm-hmm. loved, mm-hmm. you know, which all just made it even more special. My dad came, my uncle came, you know, I gutted it out. We, you know, we dragged it, we hung it, we scun it, the whole thing. Um, and just ever from that, ever since that moment, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to do it any other way. To me, it is, it's the whole experience of, um, you know, this, this little buck and he was a little buck, my first one, you know, sort of his life and his, um, quality of life. Was, was amazing, right? Exactly. Was amazing until, and it was a clean shot. It was a single shot. He didn't suffer. Um, that's, if I'm going to eat meat, I want their the responsibility. Quali- Absolutely. And I respect that about them. Um, and then it's then my responsibility to then take this g- sort of this gift that I honestly, I, I value, I, I view it as a gift that I have been given um, you know, to process with respect, uh, and then cooking it for me is just a whole nother. I mean, that's why I'm here. Mm -hmm. What I really love to do is Mm -hmm. to cook. Um, and so all this wild game, I, I view cooking wild game as kind of the hardest, it's the hardest meat to cook because it's lean, it's, it's dry, you know, all the things. So, um, that's really where I learned, honestly, I, I would get this meat and I would kind of look up recipes and, and I love to entertain. You probably saw that tonight, you sure, know, I'm sure. very much like I love to cook in a kitchen with a drink and mm-hmm. with, with all people around and to serve. It's very much, 
um, an offering for me, uh, sort of, sort of an offering. Um, uh, and so I just really, uh, right. Learned how to cook this, this, the turkeys, the deer, the, the ruffed grouse, but used all my favorite, like my mom has a, has a, she made chicken pot pie or sometimes Mm -hmm. partridge pot pie. Mm -hmm. And so I would translate that, Mm -hmm. um, into partridge pot pie. Um, so all of these recipes I would just learn to translate into using wild game and would cook them. And, um, and for me to say, this is my deer that I shot. If you're interested in hearing this or here's the story, right? It was shot, you know, 600 yards this way, you know, kind of here's the story. Here's my freezer full. I just, uh, it's very, very special to me to be able to sort of, um, offer that whole experience to people. It's a piece of me. Mm -hmm. I feel like that I'm, Mm -hmm. when I cook, um, my wild game for Mm -hmm. people. It's amazing though, you know, and I don't know if you've heard this or not. And if you haven't, then I'm purposely going to poke you a little bit Okay. in which, Candace, what you're saying in today's society is you don't have to do that. Candace, why why do you have to go and procure wild game meat when all you have to do is drive down the road and you can buy the meat from the grocery store, Candace? So why don't you why are you not buying the meat from the grocery store? I'm just not interested in that. I haven't been for so long. I don't know if you saw me earlier. I was down gathering out of the garden mm-hmm. peppers and jalapenos and tomatoes that I'm going to make in a tomato sauce. I do lots of canning. Um, to me, the things that, that I harvest or that I grow, that I can, that I cook for people, um, oh, they just mean so much more to me. Mm-hmm. Why it's do you think society has, why do you think society frowns upon what you're doing? And I wouldn't say c- celebrates, not the right word, but more thinks the norm is the thing that shows up in the grocery store that, that that's how it, that's how it arrives. I mean, I ponder this question a lot. Um, and I'm surrounded by so many people in Maine who believe and think the way that I do. Mm-hmm. So it feels like when you talk about lots of those other people, it does feel a bit removed to me. Sure. Um, sure. But I know that they exist. And I would just, I would like to think that it was a lack of understanding um, that if, you know, somebody came up to this beautiful lodge here and, you know, watched us sort of process a bear and pull the tenderloins out of a bear and watched me cook a, f- you know, build a cast iron with onions and peppers and garlic and cook it over the fire and fed it. I just, I can't help but think that um, that there might be a greater understanding Absolutely. to the whole to the whole process. Well, it's almost that... Society today seems almost disconnected. Very disconnected. That's a, a perfect word. And it's it's very sad and very scary to me. Because um, I think with disconnectivity comes um, whoo, lots of... Uh, you lose 
I mean, and, and I think of this more broadly, sort of, but you lose, you lose your empathy, you lose your understanding, you know, it sort of becomes more of, um, uh, more of a world that just kind of involves you and doesn't involve nature, doesn't involve mm-hmm. other people mm-hmm. or growing things, you know, mm-hmm. it's just. You're not a part of nature anymore. No. And that ter- that terrifies me. Yeah. For our kids, for the kiddos growing up today. Absolutely. That terrifies me. I mean, I think of my childhood in Maine, and I was blessed to grow up um, in Maine. But outside, you know, building tree forts and catching frogs and fishing and um, hanging with the boys and riding by, you know, just kids don't grow up like that anymore. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm very scared as to what that, that might play out to look like. How do you think that if you, if we had a way, how do we bridge the gap between showing the, the true connectivity to what we as hunters understand the circle of life to be? versus the perception of this is this is what society is today this is where you get your food this is you, you understand what i'm saying sure how do we how do we bridge that gap such that my kids your kids our grandkids i mean i think my mind just goes to kind of like what are the barriers that those people who are not us sort of, of of what they're thinking about. And I mean, I do, I think it's education. I think it's understanding. I think it's experience about the actual numbers of bear in Maine. Right. Like, I'm not sure people actually understand that bears are not managed any other way than during bear season in Maine, you Mm -hmm. know, or that there are this many deer or this many moose Mm -hmm. in Maine and that Mm -hmm. without the proper management... Without hunting as a tool. Without hunting as a tool, this is what will happen, whether it's here or outside of D.C., so it's urban or, you know, in other parts of the United States. Um, So I think that's a part of it. Um, it's showing what hunting actually does. It's showing what hunting hunting is. I think so many people now are so quick to make judgments about social media has brought, you know, just we see a snapshot, we make a judgment so quickly. So shows like this, you know, educational mm-hmm. shows where mm-hmm. you have females hunting, mm-hmm. younger generations hunting as to why they hunt. Yep. This is not about savage this is about filling my freezer i literally hunt to fill my freezer it is um so important to me i am it brings me such pride uh so i think just trying to share those stories share those individual stories um and understanding that it's that it's also me who works for a feminist nonprofit, you know, like I am not necessarily the stereotypical. You have already broken barriers, right? You're a, 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 somebody who works for a feminist nonprofit that is a hunter 
number one stereotype yeah. is broken. Yeah. And number two has not eaten domesticated meat for 20 years and only solely relies on wild game. Absolutely. Well, that's why we wanted to talk to you, Candice. No, and I, uh, and I will share that sort of my story and my, my yeah. thoughts with anybody who, you know, yeah. who will listen and come cook with me and I'll show you how to cook wild Absolutely. game. If you, you know, I know, um, Lots of women, lots of people have, you know, their husbands hunt or their partners hunt. So they have lots of wild game in the freezer. And uh, cooking wild game can be extremely intimidating if you've sure. it, yeah, yeah. never done it before. You cook it once. It was dry. It was, you know, I, I don't feel like I can do that again. I would love to teach people how to cook wild game. It's a little different, you know. It's a little different. but um, Once you get it right, though. It's a lot the same. And uh, it's amazing. It's it so is pretty amazing. good. Yeah. Well, that's why we eat it, right? Absolutely. That's why we love it so much. Oh, and uh, oh goodness. So I cooked last week here and, um, you know, five bears Monday night. And everyone that comes in and every hunter is so happy. And I could not be more happy for them. Just these are some of the happiest. You know, people take vacation time. They save up money to come here, right? To be a part of this hunting Absolutely. tradition in Maine. And it is a gift for me to be a part of that. Well, we're happy to have you here and we can't wait to film your story later this week. Absolutely. And uh, we're excited. I think it's, again, it's just, you know, there's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. So we're so happy to have you. So happy to have you a part of our, this community. It's your community. It's our community. Absolutely. So, so excited Wonderful. to have this conversation. Wonderful. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, that's it for today. Appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. From the Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest, me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.